listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Angreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so at the Facebook group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Now, let us give thanks to God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 141. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 407 to 413. Chapter 4. St. Joseph asks pardon of the Most Holy Mary, his spouse, and the Heavenly Lady consoles him with great prudence. 407. The husband of Mary, St. Joseph, now better informed, waited until his Most Holy Spouse had finished her contemplation, and at the hour known to him he opened the door of the humble apartment, which the mother of the Heavenly King occupied. Immediately upon entering, the holy man threw himself on his knees, saying with the deepest reverence and veneration, My mistress and spouse, true mother of the eternal word, here am I, thy servant, prostrate at thy feet of thy clemency. For the sake of thy God and Lord, whom thou bearest in thy virginal womb, I beseech thee to pardon my audacity. I am certain, O lady, that none of my thoughts is hidden to thy wisdom and to thy heavenly insight. Great was my presumption in resolving to leave thee, And not less great was my rudeness in treating thee until now as my inferior, instead of serving thee as the mother of my Lord and God. But thou also knowest that I have done all in ignorance, because I knew not the sacrament of the heavenly king and the greatness of thy dignity, although I revered in thee the gifts of the Most High. Do not reflect, my mistress, upon the ignorance of such a lowly creature, who now better instructed consecrates his heart and his whole life to thy service and attendance. I will not rise from my knees before being assured of thy favor, nor until I have obtained thy pardon, thy goodwill, and thy blessing. 408. The Most Holy Mary, hearing the humble words of St. Joseph, experienced diverse feelings. For with tender joy in the Lord, she saw how apt he was to be entrusted with the sacraments of the Lord, since he acknowledged and venerated them with such deep faith and humility. But she was somewhat troubled by his resolve of treating her henceforth with the respect and self-abasement alluded to in his words. For the humble lady feared by this innovation to lose the occasions of obeying and humiliating herself as a servant of her spouse, like one who suddenly finds herself in danger of being deprived of some jewel or treasure highly valued. Most Holy Mary was saddened by the thought that St. Joseph would no longer treat her as an inferior and as subject to him in all things, having now recognized in her the mother of the Lord. She raised her holy spouse from his knees and threw herself at his feet, 
although he tried to hinder it, and said, I myself, my master and spouse, should ask thee to forgive me, and thou art the one who must pardon me the sorrows and the bitterness which I have caused thee. And therefore I ask this forgiveness of thee on my knees, and that thou forget thy anxieties, since the Most High has looked upon my desires and afflictions in divine pleasure. 409. It seemed good to the heavenly lady to console her spouse, and therefore, not in order to excuse herself, she added, As much as I desired, I could not on my own account give thee any information regarding the sacrament, hidden within me by the power of the Almighty, since as his slave it was my duty to await the manifestation of his holy and perfect will, not because I failed to esteem thee as my lord and spouse did. I remained silent, for I was and always will be the, thy faithful servant, eager to correspond to thy holy wishes and affection. From my inmost heart, and in the name of the Lord whom I bear within me, I beseech thee not to change the manner of thy conversation and intercourse with me. The Lord has not made me his mother in order to be served and to command in this life, but in order to be the servant of all and thy slave. Obeying thy will in all things, this is my duty, my master, and outside of it I would lead a life without joy and full of sorrow. It is just that thou afford me the opportunity of fulfilling it, since so it was ordained by the Most High. He has furnished me with the protection and devoted assistance, in order that I may live securely in the shade of thy provident solicitude, and with thy aid rear the fruit of my womb, my God and my Lord. With those words and others, most sweet and persuasive, most holy Mary consoled and quieted St. Joseph, and he raised her from her knees in order to confer with her upon all that would be necessary for this purpose. Since on this occasion the heavenly lady was full of the Holy Ghost, and moreover bore within her as his mother the divine word, who proceeds from the Father and the Holy Ghost, St. Joseph received special enlightenment and the plentitude of divine graces. Altogether renewed in the fervor of spirit, he said, 410. Blessed art thou, lady, among all women, fortunate and preferred before all nations and generations. May the creator of heaven and earth be extolled with eternal praise, since from his exalted kingly throne he has looked upon thee and chosen thee for his dwelling place, and in thee alone has fulfilled the ancient promises made to the patriarchs and the prophets. Let all generations bless him. For in no one has he magnified his name as he has done in thy humility. And me, the most insignificant of the living, he has in his divine condescension selected for thy servant. In these words of praise and benediction, St. Joseph was enlightened by the Holy Ghost in the same manner as St. Elizabeth when she responded to the salutation of our queen and mistress. The light and inspiration received by the Most Holy Spouse was wonderfully adapted to his dignity and office. The Heavenly Lady, upon hearing the words of the Holy Man, answered in the words of the Magnificat, as she had done on her visit to St. Elizabeth, and she added other canticles. She was all aflame and ecstasy, and was raised from the earth in a globe of light which surrounded her, and transfigured her with the gifts of glory. 4.11 at this heavenly vision, St. Joseph was filled with admiration and unspeakable delight, for never had he seen his most blessed spouse in such eminence of glory and perfection. 
Now he beheld her with a full and clear understanding, since all the integrity and purity of the princess of heaven and the mystery of her dignity manifested themselves to him. He saw and recognized in her virginal womb the humanity of the infant God and the union of the two natures of the word. With profound humility and reverence, he adored him and recognized him as his Redeemer, offering himself to his majesty. The Lord looked upon him in benevolence and kindness as upon no other man, for he accepted him as his foster father and conferred upon him that title. In accordance with this dignity, he gifted him with that plentitude of science and heavenly gifts, which Christian piety can and must acknowledge. I do not dilate upon this vast excellence of St. Joseph made known to thee, because I would extend the history beyond the prescribed bounds. 4.12. However, if it was a proof of the magnanimity of the glory of St. Joseph, and a clear evidence of his great sanctity, that he did not wear away, and die of the grief sustained at the thought of the loss of his beloved spouse, it is yet more astonishing that he was not overwhelmed by the unexpected joy of the revelation of the true mystery connected with his spouse. In the former, he proved his high sanctity, but in the latter, he showed himself worthy of gifts, such which, if the Lord had not expanded his heart, he could neither have been capable of receiving, nor could he have outlived to bear in the joy of his spirit. In all things, he was renewed and elevated, so as to be able to treat worthily her, who was the mother of God himself and his spouse, and to cooperate with her in the mystery of the Incarnation and in taking care of the Word made man, as I shall relate farther on, in order that he might be still more apt and so much the more recognize his oblation, in order that he might be still more apt and so much the more recognize his obligation to serve the Heavenly Spouse, it was also made known to him that all the gifts and blessings came to him because of her, those before his espousal, because he had been selected for her, husband, and and those afterward, because he had won and merited this distinction. He also perceived with what prudence the great lady had acted toward him, not only in serving him with such inviolate obedience and profound humility, but also in consoling him in his affliction, soliciting for him the grace and assistance of the Holy Ghost, hiding her feelings with such discretion, tranquilizing and soothing his sorrow, thus fittingly disposing him for the influence of the divine spirit. Just as the princess of heaven had been the instrument for the sanctification of St. John the Baptist and his mother, so she also was instrumental in procuring for St. Joseph the plentitude of graces in still greater abundance. All this the most faithful and fortunate man understood, and for it, as a most faithful servant, was proportionately thankful. 4.13 These great sacraments and many others connected with our queen and her spouse, St. Joseph, the sacred evangelists passed over in silence, not only because they wished to treasure them in their hearts, but also because neither the humble lady nor St. Joseph had spoken of them to anyone. Nor was it necessary to mention these wonders in the life of Christ, our Lord, which they wrote in order to establish our belief in the new church and the law of grace. For such things might give rise to many inconveniences among the heathens in their first conversion. The admirable providence of God and his hidden and inscrutable judgments reserved these secrets for a more suitable time, for seen and divine wisdom. He wished that, after the church had been already established and the Catholic faith well grounded, 
The faithful standing in need of the intercession, the assistance, and protection of their great Queen and Lady should draw from the knowledge of these mysteries new and old treasures of grace and consolation. Matthew 13.52 Perceiving by new enlightenment what a loving mother and powerful advocate they had in heaven with her most holy Son, to whom the Father has given the power to judge. John 5.52 Let them fly to her. For help as to the only and sacred refuge of sinners, let the tribulations and the tears of the church themselves give witness whether such times of affliction have not come upon us in our days. For never were her trials greater than now, when her own sons, reared at her breast, afflict her, seek to destroy her, and dissipate the treasures of the blood of her spouse with a greater cruelty than was done by her most embittered enemies." In this crying need, when the blood shed by her children calls heavenward, and much more loudly, the blood of our high priest, Christ, Hebrews 12.24, trodden underfoot and polluted under pretext of justice, resounds in anguish. What are the most faithful children of the church doing? Why are they so speechless? Why do they not call upon Most Holy Mary? Why do they not invoke her aid and urge her to help? What wonder! If help is delayed, since we postpone seeking her and acknowledging her as the true mother of God, I give witness that great mysteries are enclosed in this city of God, and that in lively faith we should confess and extol them. They are so great that the deeper insight into them is reserved for the time after the general resurrection, when all the saints will know them in the Most High. But in the meanwhile, let the pious and the faithful souls acknowledge thy condescension of this, their most loving Queen and Lady in revealing some of the great and hidden sacraments through me, a most unworthy instrument, for I, in my weakness and insignificance, could be induced to attempt this work only by the repeated command and encouragement of the mother of piety, as has been stated several times. This concludes our reading today for day number 141, in which we read from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 407 to 413. As we've been making our way through these readings, I think finally as the listener, as the reader, we can be at peace. That St. Joseph now knows what has happened in the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That Joseph and Mary, they have made amends. That Joseph has gone to Mary and has acknowledged his own fault in the matter. And there's really so much that could be said about this beautiful reading that we just heard. The Lord has not made me his mother in order to be served and to command in this life, but in order to be the servant of all and thy slave, obeying thy will in all things. Mary's life is all about doing the will of God. And so she says that here. She is not to be served and to command in this life, but that she is to be the servant of all. This is the true humility of the Blessed Virgin Mary that we hear today in our reading. We also hear that Our Lady obtained from St. Joseph special enlightenment and the plentitude of divine graces, and later we heard that she was also instrumental in procuring for St. Joseph the plentitude of graces in still greater abundance. All this the most faithful and fortunate man understood, and for it was proportionately thankful. So Mary, the one whom God has endowed with all grace by the virtue of her immaculate conception, obtained from God because of what was going to happen, these graces for St. Joseph. 
that before they were betrothed and then afterward, he continued to receive the fullness of divine grace, plentitude of divine graces. This is an interesting aspect of Josephology. We won't get into it, but kind of the extension of whether or not the degree to which St. Joseph experienced the sanctification and purification of his will and uh, how he exceeded in virtues and such. We heard a reference to St. John the Baptist and his sanctification. So she's almost trying to parallel the two right here. The heavenly lady, upon hearing the words of the holy man, answered in the words of the Magnificat, as she had done on her visit to St. Elizabeth, and she added other canticles. So we know that Magnificat that we heard at the visitation, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And that prayer, we hear she repeats again. We don't hear her say it, we just hear the fact. She repeated and answered in the words of the Magnificat. So this is a prayer that Mary memorized. She is the author of it as she paraphrases it. She then memorizes it. It must be a prayer that she prays every day. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his handmaid. And every day she prays this prayer, maybe. I'm thinking, at least she's repeating it here, a prayer that she returned to time and again. And perhaps we think about the prayers of our own life and how we return to different prayers again and again and again. Perhaps we can make the Magnificat one of those prayers that we pray often. And then it says, St. Joseph beheld her with a full and clear understanding since all the integrity and purity of the princess of heaven and the mystery of her dignity manifested themselves to him. So St. Joseph now understands who she is. And really, I thought, as I was reading that, the thought that immediately came to mind, well, why can't we all behold her in that same way? We know who Mary is in the full order of grace now, we, because we have the fullness of divine revelation we know all that she experienced and endured with Christ. We know all that she has done throughout history. We know all that she has accomplished. And so why is it that we don't acknowledge her in that regard? It's similar to what we heard at the very end of our reading about the children of the church. Why are they so speechless? Why do they not call upon Most Holy Mary? These are good questions. We must call upon the Blessed Virgin Mary. We must have that change in our life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.